Our gospel this Sunday gives us a kind of watershed moment in the life of Jesus. Yet it's veiled in a kind of, a kind of insignificant story. A few Greeks want to come and meet Jesus. And it's a pretty simple request. We'd like to see Jesus. Yet when the, the disciples bring this to our Lord, he kind of breaks out in these profound declarations, saying kind of these classic lines, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And immediately follows it with, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world keeps it for eternal life. And these are beautiful sayings. These are kind of iconic sayings of Jesus. Yet what do they have anything to do with the, these Greeks wanting to see him? And, and what does it mean when he breaks out and says, the Son of Man, it's the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. So we'll just think, where has is, where is Jesus preached? He's preached in the temple. Most of his time has been in synagogues, in the streets, in the homes of his disciples, he goes out into the desert to preach, and he preaches on mountaintops. But to whom does he preach? He's been preaching to the Jews. He specifically has been preaching to the Jewish people. It's true that he healed the centurion's servant boy when he was asked, and the Canaanite woman's daughter when she begged him to. But he even said to her, I have been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Yet we see in our first reading that when the Messiah comes, it's not only for the Jewish people. His, the grace of that covenant, the new covenant of the new Messiah, extends to the whole world. A new law will be written on everyone's heart. So it's only a matter of time before Jesus extends this gospel. And this is the time. The Greeks come to seek him out. And so he says the time has come for his passion, for the new covenant. And what, what does this mean for us? Well, unless we descend from Orthodox Jewish families, if anyone here descends from Orthodox Jewish families, you don't count. But for the rest of us, we're Gentiles, so we can thank these Greeks for approaching Jesus. We all approach Jesus in these Greeks. But I think there's something more as well. I think we need to flash forward a little bit to 150 years ago and a man named Frederick Nietzsche. So Nietzsche lived in kind of in the height of the Enlightenment which was both a time of technological revolution, which is where it takes its name, but then it was also a time of kind of increasing secularization of Western Europe. The, the church in Western Europe, the Christian church specifically, was kind of beginning to wane. Uh, the devotion was kind of, people just weren't as serious about their faith as they previously had been. And many of the intellectuals of the time being either deists or atheists, kind of praised this as progress. But Nietzsche saw a great danger in this change. He himself was an intense atheist and even kind of coined the dreadful phrase, God is dead. But when he said that, he didn't say it in a triumphal way. He wasn't pronouncing that phrase. It was just an observation of the world around him, an observation of his culture. Most of the people were living as though God didn't exist. Even those who professed that God did exist were living as though God didn't exist. The gospel was no longer having a real impact on their life. So he just took note of that. And, and, and noted also that this was a problem. Because as humans, we do have the tendency to keep doing something for long, long after we forget why we're doing it. You know, we just kind of have a habit and we keep after that habit. 
But then eventually, inevitably, we wake up or are woken up by something else and realize that we're doing something and we don't know why. We often call this a midlife crisis. You know, we wake up when you're 55 and realize that you hate your job and you kind of freak out about it and you don't know what to do. But for Nietzsche believed that people in his time would wake up and realize that they didn't believe in God. That at least that the gospel was no longer having a real impact on their life. And that is a crisis moment. Because once someone doesn't think they believe in God anymore, there, there are only a few options. You can either look to some ideology for truth or, and for meaning to your life, or you can look to yourself for truth and meaning to your life. And we see in the 20th century that so much of the world looked to ideologies for meaning, whether fascism or communism, and with destructive effect for the world. Uh, obviously, that's not where we look for meaning. We learned that lesson. So now, what's left? Ourselves. The, the Greek philosopher Plato had a kind of simple and profound image of mankind's pursuit for the truth. He used the image of a cave. And if any of you have taken you know, Philosophy 101 ever, you learned the image of the cave. But in case you don't remember everything about your, the one philosophy class you ever took in college, I'll give you a refresher, because I think it's relevant for us here. So Plato kind of described humans. He said most of us were just prisoners sitting in a cave looking at a wall. And this flat wall in front of us, we're sitting on a bench, kind of chained to the bench looking at the wall. And behind us there's a fire, and in front of the fire there's puppeteers, you know, working puppets in front of the flame. And the flame projects the images of those puppets onto the wall. And so it's basically like this ancient version of a television or a projector screen. You know, this, there's a puppet show happening on the wall in front of us, entertaining us, basically. And, and although this is a really lame representation of the world and of reality, we were born into this, so we don't know that it's, that it's not the real world. We just think this is all there is, you know, this puppet show on the, on the wall. But inevitably, from time to time, someone realizes that the puppet show is a sham, that it's a false representation of reality. And they break free from their chains, and they struggle and strive up out of the cave. They climb up, and they reach the world finally, and they break out in the open, and they see the real world in all of its goodness and its truth and its beauty. So why do I tell this story of the cave? Because that image assumes that as human beings, we are pursuing truth and goodness and beauty, and that it can be found, that it actually exists, that truth and goodness and beauty exist. Yet Nietzsche presents a very different picture for the postmodern man, for us as human beings in our contemporary world. If he were to give the cave analogy, he would say that we struggle and strive to break free of what we think is the, is the false world, of, of what isn't actually true, and we climb up out of this cave, and when we get up to the top, it's just a, a barren wasteland. That, that when it all comes down, we find out that there is no such thing as truth, as goodness, and as beauty. And that is a serious issue, and, and it raises a deep question for us, uh, for the modern man, for our culture. The, the question is, can we invent our own meaning? Now, can human beings invent their own meaning? Can, 
if we know that the whole kind of trajectory of our lives, that everything we're living for is something that we made up, is it still worth living? That's the, that's the question that he proposes. And he would say that, that that's exactly what's required for the contemporary person to survive and be happy, is to create their own meaning. And I would say that that's basically what our culture also says. That's, that's the conclusion that our world has come to. Because we're ruled basically by relativism, the you-do-you movement. You know, you-do-you, you and I'll do me, and, you know, as long as we don't offend each other, we're fine, right? The, you know, follow your, follow your heart, be yourself, because you're already perfect. That, that's kind of the, what our culture preaches. And we preach tolerance as though intolerance were the only mortal sin you could commit. And is our world a, a peaceful and happy place as a result of this? Do, have we found a deep joy in pursuing our own ends and conjuring up our own meaning for our lives? I would say no. It seems to be a clear no, that our culture does not make us happy. But the gospel today gives us another way, a totally different way to live our lives. Jesus tells us, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be. St. Paul, in, in all of his letters, tells over and over again, he proclaims himself to be a slave of Christ, to be Christ's servant. But St. Paul is clearly and palpably one of the freest men that has ever walked the face of the earth. To be a servant of Christ, to follow him in everything that we do, is to find that meaning and that truth and that goodness that we search for so relentlessly in our world. It's to kind of clamor up out of the cave and to find a world full of meaning and purpose. But it's not some meaning that we propose. It's not the meaning that we impose on the world. It's the meaning that's been given to us from God. He created this world as a meaningful place. <clears throat> and his meaning calls us out of ourselves to joyful service of others. So the you-do-you life will never satisfy. We know that. And as we move closer to Easter, <clears throat> to that great feast in which we proclaim boldly that Christ is risen from the dead, we look deep into ourselves. Look deep into yourself and ask, am I living certain parts of my life as though Christ is dead, as though he hasn't risen from the tomb? Or can I truly say that God is risen and lives in my heart? Am I his servant ready to follow him in everything? And we, do, we need to be honest in this, or, or else it's not worth asking the question. Be honest with ourselves. But also be bold in asking for faith where it's lacking. In asking for the grace to follow God wherever he's calling us. So our greatest joy in this world is found gazing upon the cross. So gaze upon the cross and know the joy that only following Christ can bring.